Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Let me get in there. Oh, spooky. God, spooky lady. Spooky, spooky lady. You don't want it. Oh, that's a spooky lady. Spooky lady. Spooky. 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 Where that goes that? You spooky. You spooky. (laughs) I've been thinking about a lot about the girl bossing of Madame LaLaurie, and I know it's going to happen. The girl boss version of Madame. I mean, wasn't that Kathy Bates? I didn't watch the American Horror Story Coven, but wasn't she sort of girl boss Madame LaLaurie? A little bit, but they haven't gone full. Like I was saying, we get. J Law, <laughs> she's bringing new. Yeah, uh, the name's Delphine. <laughs> no, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's gonna. It's happen. all gonna be Garcia. It's all her music. We they're gonna turn her into a hero. I don't know how. I think it's they're gonna say that they were like I was hiding him from my horrible husband. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, if they turn her into a sandwich, I can't wait for that. Whoa, the BK La Laurie. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the last podcast on the left, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Marcus Parks with Henry Zabrowski yep. and Ed Larson. Spooky! <laughs> That's a spooky lady! Hey, you over there, ghost! You spooky! <laughs> so when we last left Madame LaLaurie, she just moved into 1140 Royal Street in the French Quarter of New Orleans with her husband, Dr. Louis LaLaurie. And this is a little uh, detail that we had neglected to mention, she had five children from her two previous marriages. Oh, yeah. And they all lived in this house. Oh, yes. man. She, I want to say their kids in the end, like, it ranged. They, they all had, like, 30 years between them by the end. It was a lot. Yeah. She must have been hot. Like, if you're she gonna was going to marry, like, an older woman with mm-hmm. five kids. Yeah, dude. No, <laughs> she <laughs> was hot. I think she, she was rich. Oh, she was hot was... too, though. If you see pictures of Delphine LaLaurie, she was stately. She was considered very beautiful porcelain skin. Mm-hmm. Those portraits, however, 
are not originals. Doctored! <laughs> Whoa, it's AI! It's Instagram! Spooky lady! Those were done uh, for the 1892 book, uh, many sure. years after she did, after she died. So we don't exa- we don't actually know what Madame LaLaurie looked like. No, I heard that that pussy be busting. Like yeah, they said we know a couple... it was busting. Yeah, 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 we know that. But we don't know exactly what she looked like. You know, I, I would imagine she would be one of those women you describe as severe looking. Uh, it's weird. I I actually saw the opposite. She said she was soft. She oh. was very. That's why the the true horrors when they were revealed were extra shocking because no pretty woman would ever do something bad. Yeah. <laughs> Joey Eric's Casey Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But as soon as Madame La Lalaurie and the doctor moved into the city, that's where the legends truly began. Now, some of these legends are, of course, total horseshit. But others may have a kernel of truth to them. That's what makes a good legend. Yes, uh, the kernel of truth. You gotta have something that's half true. See, according to Victoria Love, the author of the more sensationalist of the two books we used, it was believed that Dr. LaLaurie was testing Haitian-style zombie drugs to induce cooperation and docility in enslaved people that were proving troublesome, a sort of chemical lobotomy. Weekend at Bernie 2 stuff. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Absolutely. Honestly, more like Weekend at Bernie's 4 stuff. It's going to be hard to go back to the 1880s until we have the Time Machine version, which is Weekend at Bernie's 3. These experiments, if they did happen, were, of course, failures. And the poor, poisoned souls who didn't survive were, of course, thrown in the swamp. This one is unlikely, sure. if only because the cost of such experiments, $25,000 in modern currency per victim, was prohibitively high for even a person as wealthy as Madame LaLaurie. We also know that scopolamine is is effective, but it does uh, have a range of effects. Yes. And it does not necessarily make you a living zombie, but it can. I guess if you just are in the right mood or if you haven't eaten lunch. <laughs> I don't know. I've not used scopolamine anytime recently. Do you smoke it or do you just rub it in your eyes. You blow it. You do. It's a powder that you can, it's supposed to activate a zombie-like condition. Wow, like the Iceman used to use. Yeah. Yeah. You should watch uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Okay. It's good. Yo, you'll love it. Yeah, you'll absolutely love it. You've never seen Serpent and the Rainbow? Never even heard of it. Right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah. The other legend that seems less likely, but I think might partly be true, is the story of the so-called Devil Baby. Give me them tits, mommy. Uh, where's that milk, mommy? I'm gonna figure you before I come out. <laughs> yeah, the first thing the doctor saw was just a middle finger come out. Fuck us. you! <laughs> Let me stay next to the clit. <laughs> Do you need all these eggs? <laughs> this one has an extra kick because it also involves another legendary New Orleans citizen, Marie Laveau. The voodoo queen. We need to do an episode on her someday. We absolutely will. Now, supposedly, Marie Laveau came across an insane, deformed child that was the spawn of a mortal woman and a demon. Laveau, in turn, sought out Madame LaLaurie and gave the grotesque demonic child to her for reasons that are unclear. Yeah, let me see the dick, too. <laughs> stretch it out. Yeah, stretch your dick, Kenny. Make it a wristwatch. Incredible, now make it a hammock. Oh, my God, we'll take it on the road. <laughs> the child was then kept in darkness for five years, screaming and drooling, Whoa. eating only raw meat 
until it finally died. Now, you're saying that this was in New Orleans, Louisiana at this time period and not in Southern Florida, <laughs> 1981. <laughs> I hate cooked burgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the biggest baby you've ever born in Florida. Yeah, this does sound like an origin story. There was a new baby born. People have been sending to me it was smaller. There's a new 15. <laughs> yeah. They keep writing it was 15. It was 14 pounds, 8 ounces. I was 14 pounds. 13 and a half ounces, this baby ain't shit. Stop sending it to me. Yeah, they're putting sawdust <laughs> in its diaper. <laughs> like it's a fucking, like it's cheating and bobsledding. <laughs> now, this devil baby story admittedly sounds insane from beginning to end. Sure. But remember, Dr. LaLaurie was supposedly a student of medical abnormalities. And the truth might be even more horrifying than the legend. From descriptions of the devil baby, it could be that this child was suffering from the infamous Harlequin syndrome. Now, this birth defect creates huge diamond-shaped scales over every inch of the baby's body, and the spaces in between those scales are constant open wounds because the skin never stops splitting. Grayscale. Uh, no, this is so much worse. Worse than grayscale? Yeah, it, it, you like are, how do you put it? Pain. Yeah, you're a charcuterie yeah. plate. Yeah. <laughs> With the bread biscuits is what's the only thing you can kind of hang your, literally hang your hat on. Yeah. Okay. Additionally, the heads, arms, and legs of the Harlequin baby are severely malformed, and the eyes are often blood red. And sometimes there's no eyelids, there's no eye holes. It's like two red dots uh, kind of pasted on the eraser head baby. Yeah. Well, why didn't they kill it? Well, well, you know. Well, if, say, someone in 1830 in New Orleans was to give birth to a child with this defect and they truly believed it was a demonic being because Harlequin babies at their worst. At their worst. At their worst look truly inhuman, they might bring it to Marie Laveau. Yeah, man. It's definitely, if you've never seen a picture of a Harlequin baby. No. Look it up. You'll love it. It's okay. very, uh, you'll love it. It's very much like a, if this was 2011, you'd see a picture of a Harlequin baby and underneath it, you see hashtag mood. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The struggle is real. Like when you see a Harlequin baby. Well, it's New yeah. Orleans. If it was modern day New Orleans, they'd probably just fry it up. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Where are you going in New Orleans yeah. these days? They're going to different restaurants than I am. Hustler Club. <laughs> Horrible, horrible, horrible kitchen. Great, great atmosphere. You talk about that one that's uh, off the highway out near the airport. Yeah, they, have yeah. a, they have this great tank filled with abortions that you can just scoop out. You get to pick it like it's a lobster. Yeah, yeah but there is one lobster in there. <laughs> oh, she must have visited SeaWorld. <laughs> but if Dr. La Lurie was well known as a doctor who studied medical abnormalities, Laveau might have brought the Harlequin baby to him. Sure. Just to be like, you see, want to see something fucked up? <laughs> but yeah, and he would have been like, yo, we. We. However, there is no way in hell that a Harlequin baby would survive for five days in 1830, much less five years. But even so, this story might actually be half or at least a quarter true. Well, because we know that, uh, you know, well, we don't know. But we think that we know that he worked on uh, Delphine LaLaurie's daughter. Yeah. And we know that he at the time showed up as this like hot shot new doctor that's like, you know, did he had a Ghostbuster sign with a hunchback behind <laughs> it because his whole his whole model was no hunchbacks, no yep. mo. Hated it. Yeah, hated him. Oh, I gotta sit up. <laughs> yeah, sit up. Literally, <laughs> do this. Yeah. Cobra, you're back. But he uh he might have people might have 
viewed him as just like, okay, you you like crooked bones. Yeah. Like we're gonna we'll bring them all to you. Yeah. That may be. I mean, Harlequin syndrome does have like degrees. Like I know there is like there's a Harlequin baby that's alive at like six or seven or something like that. But yeah, in the in the absolute worst cases, like yeah, it is like the most horrifying thing you could possibly see. Like I'm a 32nd degree Harlequin baby. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because I made it to the top. I have the apron. Your skin is quite red. That is true. Yeah, it's pink. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that is true. And they say I look like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. A, yeah, you see, these are Harlequin babies. They all look like this. Oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, you see yeah, this? Amber yeah. always sends me these. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get so mad. It's just like, it's fucking 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are no records of excessive abuse towards enslaved people before Madame LaLaurie was married to Dr. LaLaurie. But perhaps it was their relocation to the French Quarter from an isolated plantation that brought more attention to her methods. Now, this is actually under some debate. So uh, certain books talk about how the family knew that Delphine was bad with the groups. Oh, right? well, that's what I mean. It's like the family knew. The family. And there was one promissory note that was discovered uh, by uh, the author of Madame Lolaurie, Mistress of the Haunted House, yeah. where it shows that she did pay a very prominent defense attorney a certain sum of money during this time period. So they, they do think that maybe uh, she had charges brought up several times. That That is kind of the, which is rumor, but there it seemed to be kind of solid what we know now. Yeah. Is that there were a lot of people saying like, we think Delphine might be extra rough with some of her people. Mm-hmm. Well, soon enough, the rumors of how she treated the people in her household were so numerous that the authorities entered the LaLaurie mansion to investigate. Once they entered, they found that some of the enslaved people therein had been recently bloodied from a fierce beating, and all of them were almost starved to death. From accounts, Madame LaLaurie took perverse pleasure in watching them waste away before her very eyes and gave them only enough food to be able to work. But this was also a setup. Because if you're that malnourished, you're probably not going to do your tasks with great competence. And if you're making mistakes, then that gives Madame LaLaurie another excuse to punish you. Never ending punishment wheel. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we see like we you see this in sociopathic personalities all the time. You know, you it's they set other people up to fail. So that gives them an excuse to commit the horrible atrocities that they commit. Sounds like a nun. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like how on a vague level when my mom used to feed us and feed us and feed us, right? And then when I'd have to go to the husky store to get my pants when I got hit about a 44-inch waist, right? Bordering on 46, she'd be like, if only you could put down some of that food. You know what yeah. I mean? When you're getting when you're then getting shamed. But then the whole time she's been using food as the only means to communicate love to you. Yeah, well, comfort and stability <laughs> in its way. Yeah, my mom used to always but you gotta drink less. You gotta drink less. Then I come home, there'd be like a bottle of whiskey and a thirty pack, and you're just like, it's just me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes it also being like, are you afraid of me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is this about me keeping me satiated? Because if I'm not hungry or if I'm not thirsty, I'm gonna. If I am one of those, I'm gonna fucking freak out. No, the most intoxicated Christmas I ever spent was at your mother's house. Hell yeah, like, that was a good one. That, that was, was a great one. I got you a knife. Yeah, that was wonderful. That was yeah. one of my favorite Christmases ever. <laughs> it was from the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> 
But since no witnesses came forward to declare that the madame was seen beating these people with her own hands, and as I said in the first episode, treatment of enslaved people was often a matter of taste, she was absolved of any wrongdoing by the courts. It is said, however, that the embarrassment of the court case only made Madame Lalaurie that much more cruel. He also believes she did one of those, like, I'm innocent! Yeah. Like she went in the where oath. it's like, yeah, the oath where you could just say you're innocent. And they're like, you know what? Now that I heard you say it, <laughs> you sound correct. <laughs> but even though no witness came forward in her court case, it was a story from a neighbor that created one of the LaLaurie Mansion's most enduring ghost tales. One day, that neighbor heard a piercing scream and looked from her adjacent townhouse to see Madame LaLaurie chasing a young enslaved girl, whip in hand. The chase then entered the house and eventually ended up on the roof. But while the neighbor did not see exactly what transpired, she heard the body of the young girl hit the ground in the courtyard below. She later saw the lifeless body being taken away and saw the shallow grave where the young girl was buried. Today, this young girl is known as Leah, and it's said that her spirit roams even as far away as the sidewalks outside La Lurie Mansion, where people have reported feeling a tug at their clothes at the mention of her name. This story is actually, uh, I, it's in all of the ghost tours, yeah. right? And there's a lot of you know, people to call doubt on it, because that neighbor, there's, it's the idea that the neighbor heard something, was, not, was physically unable to see it, even if they wanted to, yeah. you know, what was going on. But... What we know about Madame Lori, Lori, we know that for a fact that she liked to hurt her enslaved people over the top. We know that she liked to do that. But we also, the main crux of this is that we know, if you look at percentages of how many enslaved people died. And we'll get more into that later. Yes. Under her care, quote unquote, her care, it would you would see that uh, it, it points to a lot of young girls yeah. died in yeah. that house that did not need to. And- in pairs, quite often the mother and the daughter would die. And there was, I mean, there was just a, a lot of them. Yeah. And we got a, a listener email from someone who was actually able to go into the Lollery Mansion. Oh, wow. Uh, and at the, the party that they attended, uh, they said that they were allowed to go up on the roof. Like, they was like, okay, yeah, go up on there. You know, you can see all of New Orleans. Like, it's a it's But a everyone view. says the roof is where all of the bad juju is because yeah. that's where the room where the enslaved people were found were on the, the non-existent third floor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they said that up there, like they couldn't stand up. They started to feel sick. They started to feel dizzy, you know, like no other, no issues with heights or anything like that, but no, and really no like health issues. Uh, but they said it was the worst feeling they've ever had in their life um, without really knowing like the full story of what had happened up there or what had you know happened up there, according to legend. Now, no skeletons or bodies were found on the Lollerie grounds over the years, or at least there are no records of bodies being found. But according to funeral records at the St. Louis Cathedral, 20 people died while being enslaved to Madame Lollerie over the decades. Now, I know the mortality rate for enslaved people was high, especially those who worked in the sugar plantations of Louisiana. If a person was sent there, it was called being quote, sold down river. And it was all but a death sentence. Because there's many ways to die. Heat exhaustion, dehydration. Industrial accident. Industrial yeah. accident, uh, malaria, you know, being bit by bugs. Like it's Just straight being beaten to death yes. also was you know quite common. Also, she's like three blocks from the river from the Mississippi. She could have just been dumping the bodies in there. 
Well, they are, uh, th there's a lot of witnesses. They are, this is a barely, you know, even at the time period, this is a, an extremely popular section of yeah, it's town. It's right by the French Quarter. Yes, right? yeah. and there's a lot of people coming and going, and there is the, it is still contested about whether or not she had some form of unofficial graveyard on her grounds, because yeah. that was one of those things that was supposed, you know, that the, the biggest version of the legend, they found it, but there's some talk about these missing bodies, like where the fuck did they go? Because yeah. they do, in one thing within the state of Louisiana is that they kept copious notes on the the ledgers of people who were coming in and out of these places and especially death registries. They don't put how they died, but they did put, like they would track everybody. And it went from the moneyed people to the enslaved people. And the fact that there was a huge, I mean, like of the the, the amount of people that at her place, there was a huge chunk of them, chunk of them that just disappeared. I and mean, were, were they tracking the gators? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could have been eating these people. No, not yeah. why you need me to a laundry. Go down there. Go down there. You, you, you could get a gator with your two fingers. <laughs> That's all you need. That's all you need. Get down there. Down in the bar, you now. Looking real good. Get in, the, get in the ear. Look at it. <laughs> gator. It got, it got 19 hole, right? Got no mouth hole. They got a two eyeball. They got a pussy hole. They got a butthole. And I get them two in the pussy in the butthole and give them the double pink. <laughs> Get up in that bowl now. <laughs> but here's the incredible thing about the statistics when it comes to Madame La Lurie is that we really don't know exactly how many people disappeared. Who knows? But because of the copious records, we know for a fact that in the two years that she was at 1140 Royal Street, just in those two years, 12 enslaved people died in yeah. that house. You know, and this is just people who are doing household duties. These are like people cooking. People cleaning, you know, footmen, you know, guys, chauffeurs, you know, just people who are just doing regular stuff. And they're dying at a rate that is, you know, as high as a sugar plantation. It's insane. Every also, other month. Every other month. Yeah. And they also are, uh, there are unregistered deaths, just straight up disappearances. Yeah. So they're just a bunch of them, about 20, that have no record of what happened to them. Can I ask an ignorant question? Yeah. Um, Always. The uh, So do people come and like, check up on you to make sure that you're not killing your slaves? Uh, not, no. No, it, there's a, there wasn't like a regulatory industry or anything like that. No, there was nothing like that. It was just if somebody, somebody could report you God, uh, and then... The idea of a slave inspector is uh, just not, I don't know if you want that guy. No. no around. I mean, you, don't, you don't invite him to dinner. No, no, no. No. no he, he works for Allstate, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of our sponsors. <laughs> well, you know, Prudential. <laughs> from your grave. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with 
horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list. With Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish. Wow! I just gotta learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm gonna be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. But considering the rate at which these people were dying in jobs that were not dangerous, it's likely that these deaths were caused by the cruel actions of Madame LaLaurie. And with that, let's get into what is most likely the true story of what was going on in the LaLaurie mansion and the story of how her chamber of horrors was discovered. It all started with a fire in the kitchen 
on a spring morning in 1834. According to witnesses at the scene, one of the elderly cooks admitted to starting the fire on purpose, to either put an end to the suffering of the people trapped above or to finally expose the madame once and for all. It sounds like something finally broke inside the house Mm -hmm. uh, because the main crew that were not locked upstairs in the room obviously kind of figured out like, oh, we're going to end up there anyway. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't us being, quote unquote, good at our jobs is probably not going to save us from whatever the fuck is going on in that room. No, it's it, this woman was also uh, chained to the floor. Yeah. I mean, it's like chains were an everyday part of everybody's existence in that house. Or at least if you were an enslaved person, then, yeah, you were wearing chains constantly, which, you know, in other households like that was kept as like a particularly bad pun, like shackles was considered like a punishment. Yeah. And in Madame LaLaurie's house, it was, you know, an everyday thing, punishment and starvation. That's what all these people were going through 100 percent, you know, all the time. Yeah, it's the way we compare. We compare it to the Nazis quite often it's because it's when you have institutionalized violence, when it's allowed from up top, then it breeds little serial killers. Yeah. Also, when the people working for you are so unhealthy, they're going to fuck up. You know, and that's like, a part of what you're saying, the never ending cycle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah always. No, this, this really is like this is the sort of institution that, you know, as you said, like it brings people to the forefront. You know, the people who have these sadistic uh, personalities, yeah. these sadistic tendencies, like they come to the forefront and, you know, the most vulnerable people always suffer. You know, it's like the Einsatzgruppen we talk about so much, uh, just roving bands of serial he never killers. never stops talking. About it. He <laughs> lo- he I find just- it one of the most fa- it's one of the most fascinating, you know, chapters in history is the Einsatzgruppen. Like, it, it really is just roving bands of serial killers uh, in the tens of thousands that they sent out behind the SS uh, in during World War II out in Eastern Europe. Now, the fire soon got big enough where a crowd of New Orleans regulars gathered to watch the mansion burn down. But when they saw that nobody was coming out, a judge in the crowd gave an order to break down the locked doors so they could save the enslaved people inside from a fiery death. Good Samaritans rushed into the burning building and found that the enslaved people inside, those that weren't hidden away, were still, as I said, emaciated, covered in horrific scars and loaded with chains that they presumably had to wear every day. But then the rescuers found Madame LaLaurie's torture chamber, which had been built next to the servants' quarters to add an extra layer of psychological torture to even those who weren't being actively tortured and killed. This is truly a scene from a horror movie. Yeah. In in this time period, because they go in, it's this beautifully appointed home. You know what I mean? It really is. And Delphine LaLaurie is known as a socialite whose husband's not really around a lot. Uh, they they have undisclosed problems, but they think it's just because, you know, and many times they probably think, oh, Dr. Lalaurie is probably out there sowing his wild oats. I actually wonder whether or not he was scared of his own wife and didn't want to have anything to do with the house anymore. And that's why he left. But you go into this like this palatial mansion at the time, beautiful appointments, and then it's nothing but horror on the inside. You've never seen the inside of this house when it wasn't prepped to well, be seen, well, you know? Well, not only that, but the, I mean, this is uh, the palatial side. Like, that's what everybody sees. Like, the servants' quarters, like, nobody's going in there. No one's like, going in there. No you one's go, going in there. Like, you wouldn't go, like... Any, if you went over there for dinner, you wouldn't go over You wouldn't go over that area, right? You wouldn't no, do that, quote-unquote, right? No, you you absolutely wouldn't go over there. Like, it's just, that's just in that society, those sorts of places are off limits, or at least you just wouldn't have any interest in it. The rescuers opened the door and found seven people chained to the wall. 
four women, two men, and one whose gender was unrecorded. All, however, had been mutilated from head to toe. Some have been suspended by their limbs to such a degree that their extremities have been torn from their sockets, while others have been tied into contorted postures meant to maximize pain and discomfort. One victim was said to have had a large hole in his head, and his wounds were filled with maggots. Many of them had infested wounds. Each was wearing an iron collar with spikes that kept their heads in one position, lest their necks be stabbed. A cowhide whip, stiff with dried blood, hung against the wall next to a stepladder that Madame LaLaurie stood upon for downward momentum to make the lashes deeper. Later, it was said by surviving witnesses that every morning after breakfast, Madame LaLaurie would lock herself in with the captives and flog or otherwise torture them until she tired herself out. Then she would simply go about her day as a New Orleans socialite and businesswoman. Now, this account comes from the, it is interesting because again, this is the true stuff. This, this is the is real the stuff. This is the, this is the real, real shit. The, 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 according to a judge. So this judge was the first guy on the scene. So when the fire broke out, they were like, we need to go help all the people inside. And he was the guy that was in front prying open this door because Delphine LaLaurie had already fucking bugged out. Like as soon not as it, quite. She was uh, not. She hadn't quite bugged out. But just she yet. didn't want people to go inside the house, and they were all like, "No, no, you were like they bypassed her. They're yeah. like, no, we're going in the oh, house.' So was she like standing out front, screaming? Yes. Yeah, she's yes. standing out front. And they're not, and she's like, "No, don't go in my house." And they're like, "There's fucking people inside there. We have to. We go have inside to go the in the house." Yeah. And so, because again, very interesting, millions of dollars in today's money worth of goods to antiques jewelries, all this kind of stuff that she was just going to let go, right? So so it just, he popped it open. And when he saw that, he was the one who wrote the main account of what happened. Yeah. What are the chances she started the fire? Zero. Zero. Yeah. She didn't want anybody in there. What most people think is that like they went inside and they found the cook, you know, and the fire was put out very easily. The fire was put out pretty quickly and they put out the fire in the kitchen and they found the cook who had started the fire. She was chained to the floor. Uh, and she asked, like, why did you start this fire? And she said, go look upstairs. Yeah. Like, go go open up the door upstairs, and you'll see why I started this fire. Like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, none of us could handle this anymore. It's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah, it is. it's, it's very, Yeah, no, it's, I mean, this, this woman was putting her life on the line uh, for this. Everyone was. Now, the survivors were quickly removed and taken to the nearest place where they could receive medical care, which for some reason was the mayor's office. I think it was because they because of their state of being. Yeah, I think they were brought to the mayor's office as literally a uh, look at how they're mistreating this situation. They're yeah. mistreating their enslaved people. It immediately went into investigation. Yeah, but I think, but they also said, in, uh, you know, the books are like that's where you know yeah, they would receive go. medical care. But can you imagine going to the mayor? To have that, like Gavin Newsom, <laughs> being like, "Yeah, you got strep throat. That'll be seventy-five thousand dollars." He's already telling me that. I, are you uncovering California? It's a fucking disaster. <laughs> well, from my recollection, I think the old mayor's office was down the street from the La Lurie Mansion, and also there were vampires in the mayor's attic. If I'm remembering what yes, our tour guide said correctly, yes. if that was the mayor's office, but there are there was a, at least a church slash mayor's office down the street, and there were vampires up in the attic, and they said that, like. This is where like the Catholic Church has put like cursed objects for years, and they like, I remember up that. A, yeah, they boarded up a room up there. That's cool. 
But once Madame LaLaurie's victims were safe, the editors of the two biggest newspapers in New Orleans got a good look at their condition, and a further 2,000 New Orleans residents visited to see what Madame LaLaurie had done for themselves. Like a big parade of people came by. You oh, know, yeah. They, they were like, you got to see what this woman's been doing. It was big news. Yeah. Yeah, people freaked out. 2,000's a big crowd. Yeah, that's yes. huge, especially for 1830 or 1833. By estimates, all of the enslaved people rescued had been kept in that chamber for months, and they were so starved that a couple of them died when some good-intentioned people gave them too much food too quickly. Same thing that happened with the concentration camps. In the chamber, authorities also found torture implements like pinchers and the aforementioned iron collars with sharpened points, neither of which could be explained away as more of Dr. LaLaurie's orthopraxy equipment. Now, the newspapers were outraged, and the people on the street were so incensed upon seeing the bodies of Madame LaLaurie's victims, living and dead, that they smashed every inch of the mansion to pieces, as if the house itself was the culprit of these horrific crimes. This is, to me, that points towards that something really, that this really happened. Yeah. yeah. Because it's interesting. Because there's a lot of sto- over the years, all how many different stories have we covered that you find out that shit is fucking uh, exaggerated or like made up just just for the story of it. This is one of those that it feels like they had to minimize it to talk about it. Like mm-hmm. everybody flip the fuck out and just attack the house for two days. Yeah, I mean, like they they went to sleep and came back the next day to finish the job. It's like one of those things where like you hear about shit going down, but then when you find out what really happened, you just go nuts. Yeah, but after the sheriff decided that enough was enough after letting the people lay waste to the mansion for the rest of that day and a little bit the day after, nothing in the house remained intact save for the walls themselves. People didn't even loot the expensive furniture yeah. and instead chose to smash all of Madame LaLaurie's possessions into pieces, which all that was then turned into a bonfire on Royal Street. That's the shit. Because that's the stuff. It's that looting is one thing. Because you pop it open. I understand everybody going in there and grabbing cool stuff out of there because you had a bunch of cool stuff to grab. But the idea then you're just going to burn it? Yeah. You got to be mad. That's what spooky lady. <laughs> we used to do that in Tallahassee. My buddies, they were violent. This is before I knew you. Mm. My buddies were kind of violent. and They'd always break my furniture when they got too drunk and yeah, shit. Sure, yeah. So one year on 4th of July, there was a thrift store across the street. And I bought a bunch of shitty furniture. And I put it in the back next to a sledgehammer and an axe. I was like, have fun. And then we they did. And then we lit it all on fire. <laughs> you actually just learned how to be a father to children. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you got to do. Actually, in Lubbock, we had kind of a, a, a tradition. There was this... Uh, yearly uh, concert called Easter Bash and that what people would do is they would go to thrift stores and they would bring couches to uh, Easter Bash and then at the end of the concert you set all the couches on fire. That's yeah. awesome. This when- is back when Lubbock was like super fun. <laughs> Man, I think we could do it again. I just made a smash room for the stream. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. We gotta do more smash rooms. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're gonna get to it. But perhaps people took their anger out on the house because Madame LaLaurie herself was long gone. See, once it became clear that her horrible secret was being uncovered and the mood was turning ugly, Madame LaLaurie and her family climbed into a carriage to escape. Yeah, they bugged the living fuck out. And After all, it took a while, though. Well, it's because they were kind of feeling and like, mm, maybe we can. 
think about this and get past this juncture. Yeah. And then uh, it turns out like, no, no, no. Oh, they're going to kill us. Well, once they fled, that was it. They're not coming back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because the crowd noticed the madame attempting to flee. They tried overturning the carriage. They tried grabbing her and pulling her out. I mean, they could have ripped her limb from limb right then and there. I think that's what they had in mind. I mean, how fast could this carriage possibly be going? It's the horses. Horses kicking. The guy's got Bastion. Her man servant, the guy oh, yeah. that was like her number one guy. You are my number one guy. <laughs> like she did that to him. He was hitting guys with the whip. Were any of kids back? with her? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think the kids were loaded up. Oh, I think. yeah, they were traumatized. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't know if they were. Oh, no, we'll find out later on as they both died. Her, the, the kids that were closest to Delphine LaLaurie's lives were absolutely gutted. They never had a career. They never yeah. did well, anything. Yeah. They just lived inside of her home. Her other children from the previous marriages, they went on and did stuff. Some of them actually had lives and and, yeah. and got rid of the LaLaurie name and, and hid far away. But the re some of the ones that were directly connected to her, they... Uh, they didn't blossom. Well, the ones who actually had the last name, La Lorie. Yes. Because there were still, like, there were kids, the last name Blanc, uh, the last name, like, Lopez Iangulo. Uh, those are the ones from previous marriages. So, yeah, they could move on. Yeah. But the kids that, I guess, came from Dr. La Lorie. No. Yeah. If there were any kids from Dr. La Lorie, I'm not sure because she was 45. She had two, yeah. She had, had two, two from yeah. him? Yeah, yeah, no, he pumped her full of cum. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, she was French. <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah, so she had yeah. seven children overall. Oh, yeah. wow. But Madame LaLaurie was actually saved that day by one of the people she enslaved, her coachman. Bastien. Bastien. He was pretty much Samuel Jackson's character in Django Unchained. He's the, he was the guy who got preferential treatment by informing on everybody else in the house. He was also probably tapping that pussy. You think so? Oh, yeah. They were, they were talking about how they, they were extremely familiar. Ah, yeah. and the husband's gone by this point. Oh, yeah. yeah he's barely there. The yeah, time, she's yeah. kind of done some, a, they have like an 1830s version of divorce that they tried to do like twice that he didn't take. Mm. So after whipping back the crowd, this coachman got Madame LaLaurie out of New Orleans and brought her to Lake Pontchartrain, where she boarded a boat that took her across the water. Incredibly, though, Madame LaLaurie presumably ordered the coachman back to the mansion. Because while we don't know what happened to him, the carriage returned to Royal Street and it was destroyed by the mob and then they stabbed the horses to death. Ooh, wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. Don't be a horse. Like, that's how long the anger went on. And that's how fucking angry the people were. It's like, as soon as, like, that's her fucking, that's her carriage. That's her fucking thing. And so they stabbed the horses. So, and because they thought maybe she was still inside, yeah, stabbed the horses. Inside so she the horse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be incredible. Like, he's Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> like, the poor horses just been like, I'm just basically a car. <laughs> I don't need all of this mess. God, just imagine being in a bar and someone's like, Lurie's carriage is back. We're going to go kill the horses. The legend is that Madame La Lurie took a ship to New York and boarded a steamer for France. There, she satisfied her bloodlust with hunting, hmm. but was killed when a wild boar ripped her from stem to sternum. That, however, is wishful thinking, a hope that a violent person met a violent end. If she did go to France, she spent the rest of her days in Paris and died at the age of 62 after a long, 
hopefully painful illness. Yeah, she lived at one address according to if you believe she made it. She lived out there with her two daughters sitting in silence, just slowly rotting and suing anybody possible for any remaining inheritance money. Mm -hmm. Just going down to the fucking catacombs to beat one off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slap that bean. (laughs) Reportedly, when she did die, her body was returned to New Orleans, where it was interred at St. Louis Cemetery. No record, however, exists of where the body is located, if it is there at all. Well, they have the, um, I believe, the tomb of the blanks. I believe that she is, that's where they believe she is, is that they popped the name off of the blank guy. The main dude was buried there with enough room for an entire family. Mm -hmm. And then he was there and they said they believe that she was also popped in there. Um, But there are no names on it anymore. Yeah. Other accounts, however, claim that Madame LaLaurie never even left Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. They say that she returned to New Orleans eight years later, after the heat died down, and she died there in the late 1850s. This claim is supported by the recent discovery of legal paperwork that showed her handling her estate in New Orleans as late as 1850. But there's some discrepancies because they thought it might have been her man. Yeah. Because she had guys. It was like a, an investment firm that was running her bullshit over in New Orleans from when, where she was in Gay Paris. Uh, and there's also a word that her one of her people wrote a letter saying, My, I forgot what the relation was, but like basically, Madame LaLaurie has t- told us all about her staunch need to return to New Orleans soil and, and, and reclaim her name back in her homeland. And basically, he's in this letter, it's very interesting. He's like, I'm going to have you money guys tell her how that's never going to happen. Yeah. Because um, if she goes back, they're going to hang her. Yeah. Essentially. They're going to rip her to shreds. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest. And I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should... Share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash last pod. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. 
All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it, and she loved it, and she wore it when we went on vacation, and modern did everybody come around being like, where'd you get that piece, you beautiful woman? And I was like, stop talking to my wife. She's spoken for. You can see it with the Blue Nile bling she's got on her. Right now, get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety-clack, right? Slack. Saying things to my employees. All my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. All right. So Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Perhaps it's said that the Madame returned to New Orleans because many believe that her spirit still haunts her former mansion. Mm. See, since the LaLaurie family sold the mansion in 1837, it's had countless tenants and has gone through multiple incarnations. After it was sold to a man named Charles Caffin, he renovated and expanded the mansion, giving it a third story and the severe fortress-like appearance it has today that honestly makes it look even scarier than it did when Madame LaLaurie owned it. It's almost as if the house itself grew into its reputation. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he did it right. He really did. No, he, I mean, it feels like he made it spooky on purpose. Oh, yeah. I did look at a diagram on the inside. It's beautiful. Yeah. It would be so nice if it wasn't all full of all that rage and death. Mm-hmm. You know, you go through, it's got the courtyard in the middle. It's nice. It's got a little fountain in there. I love when a house has a courtyard in the middle of it. Me too. It's, it's really nice. pretty. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very European. But it wasn't until 1889, with the publication of a book called The Haunted House in Royal Street, that the LaLaurie Mansion began to build its current reputation. That book included many of the stories we still hear today, like the ghost of the little girl named Leah, who jumped off the roof to escape Madame LaLaurie, who can sometimes be seen teetering on the edge, deciding what to do next. There were also reports of knocks, whispers, groans, the clanking of chains, and the shuffling of feet. But perhaps hoping to trade on this notoriety, the LaLaurie Mansion briefly became, of all things, 
a furniture store yeah. in 1892. Went retail. Yeah. yeah. You know, people need their furniture. Hey. Now, they would see the ghost of the little girl up top of the house. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is still seen to this day. So yeah. do you think that you could call that a gurgoyle? Girl, girl, gurgle, a girl, girl. <laughs> Quite possibly, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Someone just made a new burlesque troop. <laughs> roller derby team. Yeah, roller derby team. The gurgoyles. <laughs> no, we don't know if this is true because it's in the more sensational La Lurie book. But it was said that the chairs and sofas in this furniture store would regularly be found torn up and splattered with filth. I've heard this a couple times. This yeah. is in other books. They talk about this story. This yeah. is one of the big LaLaurie Mansion hauntings. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, each time a new piece of inventory entered the house, it would be covered with urine, feces, and blood by the next morning. And this continued even after they posted a guard with a shotgun. Other sources, however, say that this splattering of human waste only happened a couple times and could very well have come from all two human sources. I do want to ask our listeners, sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com, that run retail on the first floor on Royal Street. I've won, but they have great art galleries over there. There's Mm -hmm. really cool spots over there. How many times (laughs) have you had to deal with rivers of shit? Yeah. (laughs) Slopping all over your stuff. It yeah. could just be people looking to get a deal. You know, <laughs> like, oh, this couch is covered in shit. Meanwhile, like, his, his shirt's soaked with shit. His hands are covered in piss. I'm not paying full price for this. You shouldn't let me sit down. That's on you. Now, over the years, it's been said that whoever came into possession of the house was soon haunted not just by ghosts, but personal misfortune. Oh, yeah. In 1893, the house was sold to an Italian immigrant named Fortunato Greco. Should have named me Unfortunato. (laughs) (laughs) And this is my wife, a Miss Fortune. (laughs) Oh, wow, that's good. That's good. That's two of those in one word jokes. Yeah. His nearby grocery store was never able to turn a profit. They said that's the curse of the La Lurie Mansion. But in a story that runs contrary to that curse, Greco flipped his luck when he noticed that the house was becoming a tourist attraction due to the popularity of the book about the La Lurie Mansion. So Greco started charging people a dime so they could take their own personal ghost hunts. Oh, yeah. And then he just opened it up to everybody. Yeah. So it was like a boarding house. And then it was like that, that was like what they say is like the, the true misfortune here was the fact that they just came in and a bunch of us shitheads, mm-hmm. tourists, arrived and destroyed the whole fucking house. Yeah. Just ripped up the floors. Just, just really destroyed and it. And this is like what, the down. 1920s? No, this is uh, 1890s. Oh, okay. Yeah, he set up concessions. He started selling merch. Uh, you know, like all the, cause back in the day, like you could get really ghoulish souvenirs from places like this. Like oh, sometimes yeah. like if you, if you, like, I remember when they dug up the, uh, Belle Gunness house, like you could go and I think you could buy like pieces of bone from her victims. Like just weird shit. Like the, um, there was also pictures of, uh, bodies was very common shit like this. Yeah. You could, you would probably walk away with something really awful. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Man, stupid regulations. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like this guy was successful. He was. I mean, by well, 1895. By leaning in. Yeah, he leaned in. He opened a saloon on the ground floor. Fuck he yeah. called it the Haunted Exchange. Stayed open for a good 15 years, which I think in you know New Orleans bar uh, life, That's 15 a good years run. is a good run. It was a good run, but I think it's because you leaned into the thing and you let the ghosts be employed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Give them an opportunity. Now, they're a part of the industry. 
the area, what's it, the, the buy-in employees things? What do you say with that idea where you have the employees? Shareholders? Yeah, they're shareholders. Mm-hmm. But once the neighborhood became home to more Italian and Sicilian immigrants, many of the older buildings were turned into tenement housing, and the LaLaurie Mansion was no exception. It was during this period that a tenant in the LaLaurie Mansion was reportedly murdered in his room in a most brutal fashion. It was suspected to be a robbery gone bad because his room had been ransacked, but nothing of value was taken. Very much like poltergeist activity. Interestingly, though, one of his friends claimed that the victim had complained of being bothered by quote-unquote sprites before straight up saying that there was a demon in the house that would not rest until the victim met a bloody end. And soon after, that's exactly what happened. It's it, apparently this is kind of where the a lot of the ghost stories got legitimized was during the tenement house days yeah. of the LaLaurie mansion where a lot of people said they saw stuff that was, you know, just straight up constant ghost activity. Yeah. You know, I imagine that's probably true, but it's still New Orleans. People yeah. get murdered. It's still also. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it is, yeah. You don't need a ghost to kill people in New Orleans. Yeah. And uh, like just. Uh, just the, the being a tenement house in and of itself makes the house sort of kind of crazy. Yeah. The atmosphere is kind of crazy. You never know what's going in and out. People bring chains from Italy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the LaLaurie Mansion remained an apartment building for most of the 20th century. But in 1969, a doctor named Harry Russell Albright bought the building outright and lived there for 30 years, where he said he never saw or heard anything that could be considered paranormal. I just feel like that's a guy in one of those like latex bubble suits. <laughs> Yeah, you know, where it's just like, yeah, I didn't see anything crazy in this house at all. Meanwhile, he's got like a dozen roses jammed up his ass, and he's, got like a, he's choking himself to sleep every night. Like, Nothing weird here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I drink piss. Normal this buckle, house. This buckle doesn't make me bleed as much as this buckle. <laughs> Completely normal house. <laughs> But in 2006, the LaLaurie Mansion was purchased by none other than one of our finest actors, Sir Nicholas Cage. Please, Mr. Cage, take the, please tell anybody out there in podcast land, we've been trying to reach you. Yes. We know that you have a form that you have to fill out to reach you. What do we have to do to get that form on the top of the pile? I want to meet you. Yes. By so the way, badly. I like that you called him Sir Nicholas Cage because I feel like he's an American knight. That's, oh, yes. I feel like he's American royalty. Oh, yeah. he is. Yeah. Very much so. He's yeah. very important to us. I was hoping you'd pick up on that. (laughs) (laughs) Reportedly, Cage wanted to use the LaLaurie Mansion to write, quote, the next great American horror novel. Although he admits he never got that far with the book. Actors can't read. (laughs) But that's not their fault. Their jobs are to emote. They can read. They just can't write. They can't write. Yeah, they they have to read the scripts. There's not like some sort of like script man who just tells lines to act. That's what Ken does. Yeah, Ken calls me. He goes over the lines. I have an earpiece. Uh Whenever I do it, recently I put an index card on the people on the other side. It's great. Yeah. That's all all acting is done. Yeah. You just put the blinders on them like a bunch of horses and just. (laughs) (laughs) Someone bring him a salad. Is this sweet greens here? (laughs) I can't go without 20 cc's of chia seeds. (laughs) Well, according to Nicolas Cage, he didn't experience anything either, but he also refused to sleep in the house. Mm. He did, however, make a fun joke when he bought it. He said, other celebrities, they got beachfront property. I got ghostfront property. That means I got I got ghostfront property. Thank God this 
book was never written. He's not a writer. <laughs> He's not a writer. Uh, have you? Can you not do it like Nick Cage though? Yeah. I mean, like I, I got you know some people. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Like yeah. it's Ghost Front Property. Wow! <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> But in the end, Cage admitted that he bought the mansion pretty much because he'd been obsessed with the haunted mansion at Disneyland since he was a kid. We know why you bought the mansion. Where did he sleep? Anywhere else. He He had had many homes. He had many homes. In New Orleans? Yeah. I mean, no, he had, he owned, he he bought the LaLaurie mansion in a haunted church. Oh, okay. Uh, He slept in the haunted church. (laughs) He was covering his fucking, he was covering all his angles. I sleep next to the bells. (laughs) (laughs) My problem is with this place is it's too well insulated. (laughs) Now, it's said that Nicolas Cage came to great misfortune during the three years he owned this house and that his career hit the skids for a bit. But... After checking out his IMDb page, the years 2006 to 2009 were pretty standard fare for Nick Cage. But it was the beginning of the dip of his box office numbers. Uh, That's the key here, man. Not quite. Yeah, I don't know. Not quite. There are so, while 2006, admittedly, that was Wicker Man. Oh. Not the bees! Not the bees! <laughs> the bees! Not the bees! He did get to punch several women. <laughs> he, punched, <laughs> he did. What, six or seven all, all women? All of the cult members as he walked down the line, you, you know? know? Yeah, he punched a lot of people. Yeah, that was, and that was fun. And it could be argued that Wicker Man over time is a net positive for Nicolas Cage because we all talk about it all the time. It's not it's a, a great a, film. It's a horrible film. It's not even that fun to watch for kitschy purposes. No. The worst thing that happened to Wicker since Fat Grandpa's. Yeah. <laughs> But he also had a massively successful National Treasure sequel in 2007. That's fine for the numbers. And Ghost Rider, though, which was a flop. It was a flop. Ghost Rider was a flop. But in 2009, he got to work with Werner Herzog on Bad Lieutenant Portocol, New Orleans. Fucking love this movie. Top three Nick Cage movie, probably one of the lowest performing movies that he had ever done. It did. I read it did quite well. It did better than expected. Did you ever ever use my lucky crap pipe? (laughs) My lucky crack pipe. That's what it's Shoot him again. His soul still dance. That's one of my favorite lines in the movie. I love Bad Bad Lieutenant. What really wiped out Nicolas Cage during this time was that he had a crooked manager who stole all his money. Mm. Plus, he got fucked pretty hard by the stock market crash in 2008. Yeah, it can't be leveraged. Like Neither that. of those things can be blamed on Madame LaLaurie. You know. And he had to sell those comic books. Yeah. Lisa that was Marie sad Bresley. That was sad. And he had to sell, yeah, he got, he got that illegal dinosaur skull and he had to sell that back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it turned out it was illegal. Man, how is the dinosaur skull illegal? It's because it, it's because it belongs in a museum. Who gives a shit? The I museum. Think- yeah, the museum cares. I think it was stolen from a museum. Oh, it was stolen yeah. from. I well, they, oh, okay. basically, it's, there's a men, there's a lot. Hobby Lobby uh, uh, goes through this. I wanted to do a whole episode about this. Maybe we will, but it's a lot. Talking about the the illegal antiquities market is very interesting because yeah. there's a whole world on selling shit that is not supposed to be sold to anybody because those are all supposed to go to scientific research for the most part because that's who's paying to go dig it up. So they're supposed to go in various places, but then these guys come in, they basically steal it, or they do their own illegal archaeological digs, which is fucking a great concept. The yeah. idea of being in one of those is really fucking How cool. How is it illegal? I guess if you're on like a national park or something, it's well, not your land. Well, you have to land. sneak into a place that's largely either government owned or you have to, or it's kind of some kind of a national park, like some kind of endowed place that you're not supposed to be there for. I don't know all the rules. Side stories, LPOTL at gmail.com, please. If you are a student of archaeology, explain to me why it's bad to pirate bones. You can't download a skeleton. Paleontology. (laughs) 
Yeah, whatever. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Please, any one of you nerds. However, it is rumored that during the years that Cage owned the home, he was suffering from terrible nightmares that he attributed to the curse of the Lollery Mansion. He went to a medium who told him that the only way to break the curse and stop the nightmares was to buy a grave as close to Marie Laveau's as possible. Yes, it's true. His, his yeah. grave is beautiful. Now, this is prime graveyard real estate in New Orleans. This is St. Louis Cemetery number one. This is arguably some of the most sought-after graveyard real estate this side of Pearl Lachaise in Paris. It's a nice. Yeah. It is a nice. You go down there, that's how you know you are... New Orleans celebrity status. Or at least your royalty. You know, yeah. people wanted like that's just that's one of the places if you're if you get St. Louis Cemetery number one, your place in New Orleans history is assured. Like Drew Brees is gonna be there. I don't you know, know if he will. I don't know if he wants I to. I don't be know there. if he'll make it. <laughs> he no. brought a Super Bowl back. Yeah, there. no, no. Drew Brees, if if Drew Brees wanted to be buried in St. Louis Cemetery number one, I think they'd let him. At least oh. Kermit Ruffins. Yeah. <laughs> I get buried. In, I'm gonna look this up. Terry one. Can I get buried in St. Louis Terry number two one? Oh, book. No, no, it's for tours. Okay, no, you can't just book it. Um I don't think there's gonna be protocol on the internet for it. Like there's not gonna be a form How me to fill buried out. How me buried St. Louis Cemetery? Nothing. It'd be cool if there was like trombone shorty got one. It was just like half a trombone sticking out the top. <laughs> yeah, that'd be incredible. <laughs> You're just not letting Imagineers in. <laughs> but in the end, Cage was somehow able to convince the diocese in charge of St. Louis, number one, to make room for the nine foot tall pyramid memorial that will one day be Nicolas Cage's final resting place. Oh, yes. They built it ahead of time. It's sitting there. Like this big ass. It's called, it's huge. There's a. I think the Latin saying is is like out of everything one or out of one everything. Or it something is like that. very. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's a giant pyramid. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's cool. Eventually, the bank foreclosed on Cage's house and the other haunted property he owned in New Orleans, the Our Lady of Perpetual Help Chapel. But he still held on to the pyramid. Only because the IRS can't legally take cemetery plots. Dude, and this Fuck is yeah. why we discovered this right before the show. We're going to do our 2006 style movie, <laughs> Living in a Cemetery, <laughs> where if we all open up a morgue, like yeah. the three of us, we open a morgue and stuff, we ain't never got to fucking pay nobody ever again. Nuh-uh. We just live in a cemetery, dog. Yeah. Just come over to your mausoleum drawer and knock on it. You roll out. That's me, buddy. <laughs> That's my house. I got a flat screen in there. We're running cable from across the street. You know what I mean, man? We got it made in the shade, brother. Hello. You know, we fucking put ice out. <laughs> so it's nice that. and cool. Fucking pop a Cigarro song in the cemetery Every day, or on Bow the House. on the soundtrack. Like, no, if we're going straight 2006, we got to pop like a Shin song in there. Oh or, yeah, like, yeah, you know, Cigarro yeah. song. Mr. Brightside. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> to put it back there, we have yeah. to invite Zach Braff. Yeah, yeah. we have to. No, he has a, to come once a year. This is going to be a vibe. Like, think like about Schmidt meets like Little Miss Sunshine Ooh. when you get the vibe. Like, put it together. You know, you know, sprinkle some Seth Rogen in there. Yeah, we oh, got yeah. some inappropriate. We got a guy farting. <laughs> it's going to be big. Some weed. Comedy. You know, some gay jokes that don't age very well. We get to live in the cemetery. You know what I mean? This is our lives, bro. This is past the pitch. This is what we're going to do. No property taxes. King fucker. Yeah, what are you going to do, government? <laughs> I'm so sick. You know, I'm just so sick. 
Now, after the bank foreclosed on the Lollary Mansion, it was bought by a Texas businessman named Michael Whalen, who still apparently owns the house to this day, but has a very small footprint on the internet. Couldn't find out much about him. Yes, and this is also the story. I love it. We got one of the listener emails mm-hmm. that was talking about a uh, lady was on the French Quarter Phantoms tour, and she was walking on the, you know, you go through the, you get to the end, and all of a sudden you're hearing all the story about the Lollary Mansion, and this woman freaks the fuck out. She starts calling like well, She somebody. says like, did you pay them? Have you been paid to say this? Have you been paid to say this about this house? And, and the, they're like, the ghost no. like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they say, watch her walk away and make a call. And basically you find out that she is personal friends with Michael Whalen and they and her family were told to stay at the Lori mansion for the weekends and had never heard the story about what fucking happened in there. And so she's like, we are getting a fucking hotel. We're getting a hotel. And like freaked out. Ooh, it's haunted. Oh, how risque. Yeah, yeah. And then you find out like, because that's the thing. Haunting stories are haunting stories. Sure. But then this is the fucking worst level it's of like, a haunting story. It's like you show up and I'm like, oh yeah, you're staying at John Wayne Gacy's house tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, like, have fun. Welcome to Des Plains. I mean, <laughs> same time. I'll do it. I know you. I know you would do it, but if you're just a regular fucking person. Now, would you stay in the floorboards? <laughs> Uh oh, too big. <laughs> yeah, one listener who actually attended a party at the Lollary Mansion, they said that the current decor was, quote, sentient cocaine. That's awesome. That's awesome. how they, yeah, it's Fuck just yeah. very tacky, extraordinarily tacky. On I, the same block, I was looking it up. There's a place called the Haunted Hotel where you can go and people say that they've been seeing ghosts there. I don't know if I believe them. These are Google reviews. It's probably <laughs> just a guy in a sheet. Yeah, this one lady said she went with her mom. And uh, she didn't tell her mom was haunted and she was mad. And they, she said they wouldn't call it haunted because the ghost was very nice. Oh, that is, oh, that's very cute. It's shared. Yeah. Pre-lived. Yeah. It's like when you do an Airbnb and there's like a guy living in the back house and you just got to live with him for a while. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah he's just always out there hosing things down. It's like, why are you out there? I'm trying to sleep. So. You come out here, I'll hose you down too. I know you will. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> but as the years have gone by, so too have the stories of Madame La Lurie's cruelty grown beyond the realm of the grotesque. And now they sometimes include her husband as, as a sort of Dr. Mengele type accomplice. I am innocent! <laughs> <laughs> I am innocent! I like to break in the bank. Yeah, what did you call him, Henry? Mississippi Mengele? Yeah, Mississippi Mengele. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the stories are outlandish. I mean, they claim that, you know, Dr. LaLaurie broke a woman's bones and refashioned her into a crab woman. Cool. Another says, as a claim, to like turned a woman into an armless, legless worm. Like, Difficult. have you ever seen Todd Browning's Freaks? No, but I have seen Freaked. And I really like that movie. Freaked yeah, is a great Freaked movie. Is awesome. yeah, yeah, Freaked, yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaked is awesome. And up no, Todd Browning's Freaks, there's a guy in uh, in the movie that's just a torso, uh, and he can like you know roll his own cigarettes with his um, you know with his own lips. That's and, pretty cool. Yeah, and like I mean, and, it's upsetting for him, but it's very cool. That I mean, he, can he, do he it. flipped it and reversed it. He you know he, he was living a, a pretty good life. Yeah, he, yeah. he figured it out for yeah, himself. Yeah, that's, what you that's what yeah. you got to do. Yeah, he's in that fucking final awesome scene where they're all like they're all about to fucking take down the acrobat, and they're all like crawling through the mud and the rain and like he's got a fu- he's got a fucking dagger in his teeth and yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's such a great fucking movie yeah, I'll watch such that a good shit. movie remember the worm guy from Freaked yeah. oh yeah it's anything about the, it. he's but, like would you wipe my ass would you wipe my ass <laughs> oh joke. my other favorite line is from Randy Quaid the um fiddle fat <laughs> love that fucking movie <laughs> 
Now, the floor of the chamber in this story was permanently slick from puddles of fresh gore. Mm-hmm. Buckets of body parts yep. were strewn about the room, helter-skelter. Yep. They make and that's it sound- the worst part. It's not organized. No. <laughs> like, you get a fucking get a, a container store employee. <laughs> Is that what helter-skelter means? All yeah. over the place, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Willy-nilly. Yeah. It's a scarier version of Willy-nilly. Oh, my God. Imagine if they wrote Willy-nilly all over the walls of blood. <laughs> <laughs> it would have taken the temperature down. Yeah. Like, actually, maybe the hippie movement's still alive. Yeah. Oh, man, it would have taken them so long to figure out. Like, I want to see, like, the detective. It's like, willy-nilly, what's another did name? Did Caesar for- do this? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> oh, no, I'll always, I'll always oh. concede the floor to a said Caesar joke. <laughs> yeah, the willy-nilly goo-goo-gaga baby pants murders? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that works. But really, there's no need to make Madame LaLaurie worse than she already was. Even without the more extreme claims, Madame LaLaurie is still one of the great villains of American history. The star of a particularly evil chapter in a book that is itself already evil enough. Well, thank you for that! (laughs) Spooky! Sorry, that's my my very rare occurrence of my Madame LaLaurie voice. (laughs) I will take a bow! She was a very bad man. Yeah. She's bad. Bad she's bitch. Awful. Yeah, she was awful. I'm glad she's fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we're all happy she's dead and yeah. not an immortal being. No, I mean, God knows. She could still be there. You think so? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Weirdo things that happen. It is <laughs> It is good that she's a ghost if she is a ghost. You know, tortured. Yeah, she'll be, she, she'll be stuck there. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. It's a beautiful piece of property, though. Yeah, it's like it's three, a shame. It's worth like three point. I think Nicolas Cage bought it for $3.7 million. Damn. Yeah. yeah. It's a hard at the fucking... Royal Street's probably one of my favorite streets. Yeah, in of that in that area. Like it's a good go, African restaurant next door. I was looking for food, mm. and uh, yeah, because I want to go. I, I gotta go now. We are. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna go. We can't wait. We're doing it up. Yeah, yeah we're gonna be. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited about our return to New Orleans. No, now, guys. Uh, first of all, I just want to say next week's episode is going to be absolutely disgusting. Yeah, and I'm really excited for it because it's been a second before we've gone. How do we, how do we say, we're going, we're getting sludgy. Sludgy, I think is a real good word for it. It's going to be, there's going to be a a lot of goop. Nice. A lot of goop. A lot of goop. A lot of, there's going to be, I think we might return to some sloughing. Oh, no, there's there's sloughing There's definitely some sloughing. sloughing There's going to be some hydraulic pumps involved. You're going to like it. You're going to like the way you throw up. Hmm? Mung? Mung. There's, mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, we'll see about that. And then, you know, we got a little Thanksgiving. So we got a couple of special things coming up and then we're going to get into hopefully a super sad story for Christmas. Right, Marcus? Oh, yeah. It's going to be Christmas time and everyone's going to be real well, sad about what we're going to be talking I about. I love sad stories during Christmas time. You yeah. See, my I, thing is that we get into arguments. But me and Marcus will get into arguments because I take it out on the audience. My feelings about Christmas. And I think that it's a bad idea to take anything out on the audience. I, just, I couldn't agree more. You just got to get in there. You just gotta, <laughs> I feel I sad. You're feeling fucking sad, too. Yes. Well, we're going to do, um, we're going to do, we might do some dark history. Yeah. I, yeah. think, I think we will. I think for Christmas, we're going to be doing some real dark history, some cool shit. And just talk about all cults. the families that, you know burn down their Christmas trees and kill everyone. Every Christmas, a family dies. We That's my favorite. The, yeah, last year we did talk about a, a killer Santa that uh, brought a flamethrower to a family Christmas party and killed, I think, how many? Four or five? Yeah, it was like intense, man. He wow. was not ready for the holidays. But he bought all his guns 
down at Gun World on Burbank. Lot on, on, on Magnolia. They sell a lot of, uh, it's in Burbank. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. sell a lot of guns there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know Burbank's one of the highest, um, uh, they sell some of the most guns in the nation. In oh, yeah, dude. How do you think, I mean, Alan Thick has to defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, the, the very, the, the backbone of Hollywood. Man, during the pandemic, there were lines around the block at Gun World. Oh, Damn. I remember. It was fucking crazy. It, it added to the vibe. Yeah. yeah. Um, but thank you guys so much. Uh, go get Operation Sunshine at your local comic book store. It's coming out. The next one will probably be November 15th. That is issue two of our first four. That will then lead to a second four. But right now, you're going to get into that story. I'm very excited for you to see where it goes. We also have the last comic book on the left for, I believe, is also cooking it's cooking yes. and uh yeah and i can announce now that yeah for issue four or volume four i'm going to be doing a story uh i wrote a story that uh fucking comics legend matt wagner drew uh as long and his uh, son Bryn wagner uh did the coloring for it and it looks absolutely fucking incredible thank you very much to both of you very cool can't both wait. of you fellas for uh working with me on that one that was a fucking it's it's incredible it's i fine. can't wait for you guys to see it so cool and then you got dates right oh yeah um if you can Catch me down in Florida, uh, December 8th and 9th. I'm going to be opening for Jeff Ross in uh, West Palm Beach at the Kravis Center. I can't wait. And I'm trying to find a show on the 10th as well. And then I'm going to the Dolphins game on the 11th. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, um, I also wanted to say, I've been loving the videos and they're of, of this, of our oh, show. Yeah, yeah. Of it's been great. It's on YouTube. You got clips on YouTube. So follow the YouTube page. Good fucking point. And then go to the Patreon and watch the fucking full thing. That's yeah. what I'm fucking talking about. We got the Twitch streams. We're doing that. We're we're working a lot. Yeah, we're yeah. working a lot. Yeah, we're we got No Dogs uh, in Space does a live stream every other Monday yes. on twitch.tv slash Network. Yeah, and I got my first um, and I got my first mandate coming up for the stream. I'm very yes. excited. Yes, it's yes. Gonna be amazing. yes. Very, very excited. Guys, hail sweet Satan. Not hail game. Hail Satan again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Double <laughs> up. Do it twice. Double up. You know why? Because this is coming out as a day after Halloween. So you've already expressed yourselves. And man, what's coming important. out on the third? Three days after all. But this thing. Day the after, it's the day after All Souls Day, oh, wait, which is very appropriate. Yeah, our show hasn't come out on a Wednesday in like nine years. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. Well, but yesterday yourself. was All Souls Day. This is a ghost story, so it works out. Enjoy yourself with it. Got a fucking Halloween check. Be good to yourselves, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. I'm fine. Yeah, you're okay. You didn't just fucking fall into a nine-year-old hole. Help me. <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.